It's Thursday, January the 27th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, North Korea tests new missiles and America delivers proposals to Russia. First, the world in brief. North Korea is thought to have fired two short-range ballistic missiles into the sea off its east coast on Thursday. It is the sixth missile test the nuclear-armed country has carried out this month, one of its busiest ever for weapons testing. America, Japan and South Korea all roundly condemned the tests, which they say violate UN Security Council resolutions. America delivered written proposals to Russia aimed at defusing tensions over Ukraine. Quote, It reiterates publicly what we've said for many weeks, observed Anthony Blinken, America's Secretary of State. On the Kremlin's key request that NATO commit to not admitting Ukraine, America again refused to budge. Earlier, Russia, Ukrainian, German and French envoys met in Paris. Moderna began testing a new Omicron-specific booster vaccination dose. The American biotech company said its existing booster does generate antibodies against the COVID-19 variant, but that their levels fall after six months. Omicron continues to spread around the world. According to the Pan-American Health Organization, more than 8 million COVID cases were reported in the Americas during the past week, a new record. Tesla said sales of its electric vehicles are likely to grow by more than 50% in 2022, despite supply chain issues. The carmaker delivered more than 930,000 vehicles in 2021, helping rake in its highest ever profit of $5.5 billion. Elon Musk, the company's founder, called it a, quote, breakthrough year for electric vehicles. Stephen Breyer, one of the three liberal justices on America's Supreme Court, will retire at the end of the court's current term. President Joe Biden will nominate his successor, thereby maintaining the court's current 6-3 split between conservatives and liberals. Progressives had pressed Justice Breyer, aged 83, to step down to ensure his replacement by a Democratic president. Mr Biden had previously promised to put the first black woman on the court. Faced with uncomfortably high inflation and a strong labour market, the Federal Reserve signalled its readiness to raise interest rates in mid-March. Tapering, the gradual halting of its monthly asset purchases, will end earlier that month. The central bank is preparing to start reducing its roughly $9 trillion balance sheet thereafter. Stock markets have become jittery in recent days, in anticipation of the hawkish term. Apple's share of the smartphone market in China reached 23% in the fourth quarter of 2021, a record for the company. The firm became the top-selling smartphone vendor in China for the first time in six years, overtaking Huawei, a domestic company, which has been beleaguered by American sanctions. Overall, smartphone sales in China dropped by 2% in 2021, according to CounterPoint Research, a research firm. Fact of the day, 10%, roughly the amount the S&P 500 index has fallen since the start of the year. And now here's today's agenda. 
American GDP Growth COVID-19 deaths in America are at their highest level since last February. That grim spike has brought with it an economic slowdown. Yet there will be scant sign of that on Thursday when GDP figures for the fourth quarter of 2021 are released. Most of the period covered fell before Omicron took hold. The economy is thought to have expanded at an annual rate of about 5%, up from 2.3% in the third quarter. In 2021 as a whole, the growth rate is forecast to have been 5.7%. GDP growth will begin to slow in 2022. Analysts project a rise of 3.7%. But in certain ways, the economy will be in better shape. Inflation should moderate as the Federal Reserve starts raising interest rates, probably beginning in March. More people may seek work as the pandemic recedes, easing labour shortages. Overall, America's economy has recovered remarkably well from the shock of the past two years, even if its run of gangbusters growth begins to ebb. Bojo says he won't go. Boris Johnson, Britain's embattled Prime Minister, declared on Wednesday that he would not resign, as his troubles over a series of parties in Downing Street mounted. Quote, I'm not going to do it, he protested at Prime Minister's questions, his weekly interrogation by lawmakers in Parliament, in response to a demand he quit. A dribble of reports over the past two months have exposed a series of work dues while the country was in lockdown, including a Christmas cheese and wine gathering, drinks in the garden and the Prime Minister's own birthday celebration. A report into the affairs by Sue Gray, a top civil servant, is expected imminently and will probably make unpleasant reading for the Conservative Party. Worse, London's Metropolitan Police announced on Tuesday that it would open a criminal investigation into the gatherings, following information supplied by Miss Gray. Mr Johnson continues to brush it all aside, defending the indefensible. Honduras's new president The swearing-in of Ziomara Castro as president on Thursday is a moment of hope for Honduras and for the rest of Central America. Miss Castro talks of rebuilding democracy, spending more and creating jobs. She has pledged to tackle the corruption and drug trafficking that has infiltrated the highest levels of the state. The outgoing president's brother is in jail in America for smuggling narcotics. America's government is keen to support a potential ally, especially as it seeks to stem the tide of migrants heading north. But the road ahead is rocky. Rescuing co-opted institutions and rooting out entrenched interests is no easy task at the best of times. Miss Castro won the presidency by a large margin, but her inauguration is being overshadowed by some party members' rebellion in Congress against her nomination for the top post. Her Libre Party has expelled 18 people for supporting a different candidate, leaving it in a minority. Honduras's first female president will struggle to live up to expectations. Deutsche Bank's Earnings Day Investors are waiting for an earnings report on Thursday from Deutsche Bank with trepidation. They want to see whether Christian Zieving, chief executive since 2018, 
is at last turning the ailing lender around. They have reason for cautious optimism. Deutsche Bank is likely to report a pre-tax profit of 3.5 billion euros, 3.9 billion dollars, thanks to positive momentum in the first three quarters of 2021. But in the last quarter, lower revenue at its investment banking arm means it is forecast to report a net loss, interrupting five consecutive quarters of profit. Still, the bank is in much better shape than when Mr. Zeving took the helm. In 2018, its very survival was in doubt. Today, Germany's biggest lender seems to have stabilised, driven largely by a forecast-beating year for its fixed-income division. Yet Mr. Zeving cannot ease up if he wants to achieve his ambitious goal this year of an 8% return on tangible equity, a measure of profitability. Analysts expect it to be closer to 6%. Crap News for Asian Fruit Plants Lurking in a pile of Sumatran rhino feces might not sound too pleasant. But for the seeds of the Bornean ironwood and 21 other fruit-bearing plants, there is no better place to be. They depend on the rhino to eat their fruits and defecate the seeds across Asia's rainforests. This finding, discovered by Kim McConkie and Ahimsa Camposaceus at the University of Nottingham, is bad news for these botanical species. The Sumatran rhino is on the verge of extinction. Ecologists had hoped that the fruits were also being eaten by Asian elephants in the region. Unfortunately, after sifting through many kilograms of dung for seeds and interviewing locals about the diets of these animals, the researchers report in Biotropica, a journal, that the plants are in big trouble. Without the rhino to spread their seeds, their chances for long-term survival in the wild are dim. Winter Quiz, Week 7 The battle with our baristas grinds on. As in previous weeks, we'll serve you a new question each day. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Thursday. Which US city was the capital until Washington DC was built? Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Updike who died on this day in 2009. We do survive every moment after all, except the last one. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 